In this episode, Ryan shares his experiences through finally contracting quarantitis. He shares what it's like to have an existential crisis and how we can navigate our way through it. We answer some comments and questions from Neil, Tanya, and Ian about pursuing passion projects, female primal energy, and the current dominance of females in the fitness industry. We talk about the downfalls of the education system and how it will move on with or without you, ultimately leaving those that fall behind to fend for themselves and perhaps question the very constructs of society. Welcome to the temporary office. Hey. It does the job. I got booted out of my old space. They're doing some construction. Wow. Yeah. They're doing some construction on the new floor down there. So they moved me up to this luck space up here, as you can see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, come on, look at this place. I got a, I got a <laughs> peeping tom window here, right? You can't see, but the front. You know, no one can see, but Canute's hiding back there. <laughs> <laughs> we got a booby trap first set over here. No one can see it. But yeah, it's good to be here, man. I feel, uh, I feel a little tired during this whole quarantine right now. Man. Finally caught up to you, huh? It got me. Uh, so I had whatever you want to call it. I had my quarantine slump this week. Um, when the, it hit, the quarantitis, 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 yeah, official diagnosis. It hit me right. I was in this mood where everyone I feel like is sustaining, mm-hmm. right? You're grateful. Um, I'm not complaining. I'm not sick. I have money. I'm working. And then you hold that morale high for a bit, and then just one day out of nowhere, just the little privilege in you is like, "Fuck this! I'm ready to go." Mm-hmm. Right? It's like. It's uh, trying to balance that selfishness and selflessness, and I know, I know, I know, I'm supposed to feel. I know how I do truly feel, um, but there is a part of me who selfishly just is like ready to go, and that voice is getting louder and louder and louder. And I think even on a macro sense, uh, we're seeing this in our communities: people protesting and, and all types of crazy things like that. But this isn't a quarantine, you know, coronavirus podcast. Uh, we're here to talk about some other stuff that's been going on. So. Um, What's been up with you, man? Uh, I mean, it felt like I was on vacation due to the quarantine. My my part of my daily job is to teach a hands-on part of the class. And because that wasn't feasible at the time, they were being lectured via online. Right. And that was a seamless transition. But that's been done. They have actually been done for about two weeks. Um, they've been doing hourly review sessions every night, but we have to come back. And unbeknownst to UIC. What is this job, by the way? People don't know. Uh, EMT instructor. So I'm a paramedic by trade, and we teach them the hands-on skills. We have to. We can't do this online. They need to be able to demonstrate um, this skill in front of me with the tools of an EMT. Right. Um, and so we're currently in the process of teaching that and our ways of mitigating this widespread, you know, transmission is to everyone, you know, whoever's symptomatic does not come. Right. Everyone's going to mask up, get a squirt of hand sanitizer, 10 people at a time. And so I've, I'm repeating myself. I have nine three-hour blocks and I'm repeating myself nine times, essentially. This is like what we have to do in order to get the job done. How, where do you get the patience from to do it even twice? You know, right? If I, yeah. I feel like my personality is like if I have to do something more than once... I, I'm bonkers or I'm not giving that person and I've seen this with my clients right yes. some days I'll have the same 30 updates to do and I'll have the same question for the third or fourth time and the third or fourth person honestly I feel 
doesn't get a fair shake. Yeah. Because the first person got it all. Yeah. Right? It's like relationships. <laughs> right? The first person got it all. Like, how do you muster up the strength, especially to... Right? My clients are athletes, so it, I give them mm. an objective and it's fair. As an educator, like, how to ha- like, where do you find the energy to be enthused on the ninth go of repeating it, the same thing? It really helps when they're enthused. Ah. And you keep in mind that... You keep in mind, yeah, you feed off of it, mm-hmm. right? But you keep in mind that they they haven't been taught this, you know? Like, you know, this is like my th- third year going into this. And my buddy, he's been doing this since 2012, right. so eight years now. And he really dreads this part of the job, so it's kind of on me. I, I like it. I, I, I like when the 40-plus size students um, break down into g- smaller groups, and I get to interact with them on that level. Mm-hmm. I get to see if they're comprehending things. Now, yeah, we are repeating myself ourselves nine times, but when I remember that they haven't been taught this, then it's it's kind of up to me to teach them that. Right. Now, uh, this week, there were a few students that straight up said, I haven't looked at any of this stuff in two weeks. There you go. That's like a big, you know, it's a big slap in my face in a way, <laughs> right. but I also try to put myself in, myself in their shoes and they say that, oh, we've been studying for finals right. so final exams are going on that's interesting so how do you stay engaged with somebody who you know like wants to dabble because i feel like everyone who comes to me mm-hmm. from at least my niche of coaching or training or whatever you like to call it um they come to me w- willingly they're they can't wait to learn right they're jumping yeah. out of their shoes to be on a program uh as opposed to kind of the way that students are doing things um they have to do th- x amount of effort to get this amount of money mm-hmm. or security right it's a different trade-off why they're spending their time or doing this um how how you stay enthused dude i am curious um man how i stay enthused to during the nine nine to give a fuck so i when i went to uh by you and did your setup uh for your podcast and one thing i saw was the pictures of the headshots of students for each class mm. or cohort. Um, and you just had headshots with their name and everyone in the class. And I remember I was kind of joking. I was like, what about this person? And you're like, oh, yeah. he's not doing well. I was like, what about her? Oh, She's doing yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like. So, so um, I don't know if what the ratio is, if it's like half-half. But, you know, half the students come take the class because they need it to get to where they want to go. So if they want to yep. go to physician assistant school or medical school, it might be a prerequisite to obtain some patient care experience. Whereas others are coming straight from a nine to five to come take this class and they pay good money out of their own pocket. Whereas some kids are having their parents pay for it. So they right. might not be as invested, not as much skin in the game. That being said, both um, Marty and me hold this you know, concept in our head that we can't care as much as you, you care, right? Well, well, all you can do is give your hundred percent. And if they, if they don't, if they don't give their hundred percent that you can't care about, you know, you can't care more than they care. We can bring you to the water. We can't make you drink. Drink. That's kind of the faulty thing about the institutionalized education system, right? It's, I always think I wish I could go back and retake, uh, some of the classes that I had pre-work experience. Um, it's just hard to value it without context. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that's why I think when I was in community college, I would see those older students. Sometimes they would bring their kids and their kids would, you know, sit in the back of the class or sit in the hallway. Right. They wanted to be there so badly mm-hmm. and they sucked up 
all of the knowledge that they could as opposed to the kid who was just kind of running through the motions, piling up debt in financial aid or the parents paying for it, right? It's just contextually, it almost seems like it's hard to to stick and stay engaged, but I, I also guess that's part of the job you've come to accept. In, in we've, we've had a student that would t- he took the class three times. First, first two times he was his name Ryan Dorsey. (laughs) No, (laughs) you actually gave a fuck eventually. Eventually, eventually, this this guy would come in twenty five minutes late in the middle of lecture. Let's say on the lecture, he walks in. He walks in behind me to find a an outlet to plug his charger in. Puts his phone on the ledge, sits in the front row, puts on his Bluetooth headphones, and dozes off. Wow! And then and then he comes at the end. He's like, "Is there any extra credit I can do to extra credit?" (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you could take the class. Regular over. credit. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> That's nuts, dude. You can't care more. You know, it's like you're gonna lose yeah. sleep if you if you care more than they do. That's exciting time, man. I never thought I'd get to the point where uh, e-learning and, and hearing yeah. these stories are now, part of the now. Fabric. If you want to take it one step further, mm-hmm. there are gonna be those students that are reluctant to. They're they're a little more reserved or a little more quiet. Mm. They want the help, but maybe they're just shy on the inside. And some part part of me can relate relate yeah. to that. And so this is crazy how much this applies to my job, right? As, as an instructor, thing. is that yeah. mentor role like maybe it is our responsibility to to ask an extra, go the extra mile to ask, what is there anything else I can do for you? That's the thing though. That takes so much. I don't want to call it hard work. It's not hard work. Uh, I don't know the word for it, but it takes. But you care. That's the right? word. It it takes. You have to care, and I feel like it's very hard to continue caring. Uh, when you at least believe that what you're doing is is just all in the rat race, you're just in mm-hmm. the in the mouse wheel, right? How how I think, and you see this with teachers who get uh, tenured and things like that. The care just dies down after a year, and you see this with coaches and mm-hmm. programs too. It's so hard to keep caring because I think it takes effort to care, caring about clients, caring about your athletes. It's a conscious thing you have to do. I'm, at least my personality, I'm not a person who wakes up and naturally cares for other people. I empathize with people. I feel sorry for people. But to actually really care, to actually really give a shit, I have to stop and consciously think, not hope the thought pops in my head and say, let me ask. Let mm. me double go go out of my way to, to do this for a person. For me, I have incentives I get more money if I get more clients. Mm. Are my athletes do better? And I want to see them do better because I care about the sport. I want to see the sport grow as a whole. So my incentives are tied. But within a standard A, B, C, D, E, F system where you have to get a certain amount of passing and it's like, how can you even keep that care? How you can keep it I up? can't imagine. When I was uh, maybe freshman or sophomore, yeah. year, there were several uh, classes meant to weed people out. And these instructors, these these professors, I think their money comes from the research that they develop hmm. rather than the classes that they teach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they would teach classes. They're up. researchers, not teachers. They're researchers, right? Yeah. So I think their classes would be upwards of 250 to 300 students how could they give a fuck about so all that of them was, so that's the weird thing about education right it's like this person we know this teacher is in the math department and they're mainly a researcher but they're forcing them to take they're forcing them to teach two sections of 101 right. whatever and they're the worst instructors ever mm-hmm. right they're the worst instructors they don't care they they don't care if you're being challenged your classes are the easiest to pass right uh, there's, I don't, I'm not as well versed in Einstein as some people, 
But I know Einstein kind of had the similar problem when he came uh, to America with all the World War II issues that were going on, obviously, mm -hmm. being a Jew. Um, when he came over, uh, he had to work, you know? Mm -hmm. He's Einstein, fucking Einstein. Mm -hmm. uh, this dude couldn't teach to save his life, mm -mm. right? And so they had to basically... Wasn't he the quiet one of it in his friend group? I'm not sure what his and like it was, it was. I know what his wife slash cousin situation was. Like he so became, his stuff became famous because of his friend that like was ah, yeah. outspoken what was about Emerson, it. Emerson, Emerson or something was his, was his friend or Emerson or Edison. I forget. Yeah. yeah. His friend platformed him. If it wasn't, yeah, a whole exactly. A lot. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Very, very interesting. And that's the thing though. Like I forgot where I heard this. Maybe it was a TED talk or something. Um, And it was basically this concept that uh, the first person to do it is considered the maniac mm. right the crazy person you know like if for example real story if jesus christ goes on this mountain and is like i'm the son of god and blah 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 and, blah, blah, and you're like it's motherfuckers crazy mm -hmm. but it takes an apostle to be like no i believe too and once you can get some momentum it becomes concrete right so mm -hmm. for any idea einstein's even to become a real idea it takes someone to co-sign it and that's just a weird thing in life, right? The first person to say it is always nuts, right? And whoever that second follow-up person is, to yeah. be like, I'm giving this some credibility. Especially when something was, it goes against the norm, like Copernicus. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Copernicus. Oh, we were uh, revolving around the sun? What are you talking about? What a nutty idea. <laughs> and that's the thing. How This, what Copernicus, the stuff that he did in his time really sparking the renaissance period of, of information it's still hard to understand today and that's why i think we have this rising you know, of flat earthers mm. and things like that right because it's like i hear the arguments that flat earthers make and i'm like we already made we already did this like mm -hmm. we already made this argument mm -hmm. and their arguments are good valid arguments but the only way out of the argument is to understand a new tool of communication so you can see the logic on it, right? Like, if you're trying to use the logic of senses, eyes, ears, smell, taste, touch, you'll never understand how our, how our solar system works, right? Mm -hmm. And so I understand, I have empathy for flat earthers. They're trying to make a case that it doesn't make sense to me. Um, and this is where I also have, I always have those little beefs within the world of academia. Uh, and that's why I try, at least with my clients and with everyone, I try to put out information as intelligent, but as a streamlined as possible, because the reason why there's a rise in flat earthers, the reason why there's a huge rise in the far right or the far mm -hmm. left in politics is because the people, the keepers of knowledge, academia, the truth holders, whatever you want to call them, libraries, they haven't cared enough. They haven't given enough of a shit to break it down, to break it down yeah. and explain it for people. So esoteric. They just do this esoteric, right? It's absolutely. They give you this an F. Elitism kind elitism, of Elitism. Right? They give you an F. Yeah. They kick you out the system. They say you're not good enough. And let that happen for four or five or six generations. Yeah. Right? And that's what happened, in my opinion, in the American South. There's some amazingly smart people in the South. But the education there was set up so to a point where the in the antebellum south where the aristocrats and the slave owners and the rich rich class they really got to go on and their kids got educated and then you left this group of poor americans who just kind of became right what what it is financially you still see it in alabama mm -hmm. mississippi right mm -hmm. like you see that there's no it's crazy or in the state of arkansas wall the wall the walton family 
is like one of the richest families in the mm-hmm. world, right? And then you see Arkansas is continually 49th and 50th in everything, education, yeah. uh, right, and unemployment, everything, right? They're, all, they're always ranked the last. So I think education and breaking down to education is and has been the key. And I think that's mm-hmm. always my driver in making sure that people don't get left behind. Yeah, Not necessarily for my own selfish needs, but I think more so if they, if they it's dangerous to society if we don't educate, right? I come from a country... You come from a country, your our parents, where it's actually a danger to where these people are from if they're ignorant, right? If they don't know, they actually have a real threat of dying from a preventable disease, mm-hmm. right? Just because they didn't know. Last time I was in Guyana, I heard I was listening to the radio. Guyana's in South America, where my family's from, in a in the Ministry of Public Health or something came on the radio and was like. It's like Hunger Games. It's so weird. It's like, attention, we're uh, making an announcement that it's getting hot this summer. It's getting hot this summer. And uh, we want to remember to let you know to make sure you put your meat on ice or in a fridge. Because airborne. And I was like, what? They didn't know that? Dude, (laughs) this is still new information. Yeah. This is still new information in that world. uh, Who where I hear this from? Which pod? It was a podcast. But like. How many calls came in to to the public health department about mm. drinking Lysol? You Af- know, after and I'm sure maybe some were trolls, but like what, uh, wait, what time frame are we right for? Af- after Trump recommended it, oh, the president, I didn't pay too much attention to that. He recommended one. that, and people actually t- took it to heart. He said he was being sarcastic. Well, you can't bat. You can't when you're in a position like that kind of position. Very careful and thoughtful about mm-hmm. the words that you say. You, you know? read from the prompter. <laughs> Teleprompter and shut the fuck up. Stick to the script and shut. That's my favorite thing about President Trump, though. When he sticks to the script, I'm like, hey, 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 I like this guy. (laughs) When he sticks to the script, one time I was watching the press conference. He stuck to the script for probably like 15 minutes straight, and I I never seen a moment like it. And then a gust of wind blew and like blew some (laughs) shit down, and his hair blew all over the place. And he was like, he's like, oh, he's like, that's my hair, and you got a problem if it's not yours. It's a bad problem. I was like, oh my god, this is. He had to find something right and there's a part of me that will always respect the person that has that need to rebel and go off of script deep down doesn't mean i have to like it but i will always respect but for he's doing it for the sake of rebellion you know it's just like not yeah he's an old he's an old rebel he's an old rebel dude and so that's the thing right i see i see i see what trump does and uh i didn't have an uncle like him right i've never i didn't grow up in an anglo western family who has a tough Republican uncle. I, I, so I can't relate to it. I see it and I understand it. And I'm like, oh, I can see how you can have a soft spot for this if you grew up with it. But I didn't. You didn't. Uh, we're an outsider to, to that type of culture. But it's prevalent and it exists. Um, and I really, really hope him and his administration do a great job. Because I don't want this guy to fail. Because if they fail, we fail mm. as a collective. They, they need to do a good job. They mm-hmm. have to do a good job. So... I'm rooting for him. I mean, you know, I didn't vote for for him, or I'm not big support for doing the trial. But hey, man, it's your turn. So do your job, and uh, you know, I'll pay my taxes and and hope things work for the best. Whatever the best is, dude. So yeah, speaking of the best, man, thank you for all the best people who got through that last podcast. Yeah, how many? Actually, no, one podcast will come out before this next one. Should be out by tonight or tomorrow. Right? yeah, Yeah, tonight or tomorrow. So. Episode podcast three. the one with canute 
where we had two parts, not this last one. Uh, a few people I said at the very end, at like hour five, I said DM me. Um, and a few of you did. And I want to read. <laughs> I want to read some of the stuff I got. All right. So one question I got, and you can jump in on this too. Knut should be here for this one. This is actually a really good one. All right. This one is from Neil. Shout out to you, Neil. And I appreciate you finishing. I didn't get too many of these. Uh, or I didn't send too many of them, I should say. So sorry to anybody who actually did finish, but I just didn't send you a DM. So uh, I, <laughs> I'm a nine to fiver, but mad passionate about what I do. I'm in IT for a mortgage company. I'm in it for a mortgage company or IT? IT. I'm in IT for a mortgage company. Yeah. He capitalized it as if it has some, like, I'm in it to win it. Oh, no, that's IT. IT. <laughs> okay. Says My dad's in IT. <laughs> I'm in IT for a mortgage company. I've worked hard as F for the last six... Wow, I'm getting old. That's the first time I said F and just not fuck. For the last six months, like insane to complete projects and initiatives because I really love what I do and care so much. How do you fight off burnout? Also, if you could start your entire career over and money was not a factor, what would you do? I absolutely love leather work and and became so intrigued by bespoke custom shoes. I would do nothing different with my career, but if I had to do something else, that would be it. That was an interesting question. Wow, good kind for him. Kind of a him. 360. Yeah, shout out to you, Neil. Yeah. Um, would you start your entire career over if money was not a factor? That's a good question. <sighs> Think about that. Would you start your entire career over if money like, were like, not a factor? Uh, yeah, would I go back to school for, I the, think the, for like the creative stuff? So I think the real question is, if money were not a factor, would you even have a career? Would you have work that produces Right. I think that's the question to start mm. with. And I think the answer for me is no. no. Right. If money were not a factor, would I go out there and produce something of value for people? No, I wouldn't. I'm not that type of person. No. I would I would not care to make people happy in terms of product or services. I wouldn't care. So I think for me, that's my answer. If money didn't matter, I wouldn't even have a career. If it didn't matter. If money didn't matter. Yeah, I don't know. I would be a that's funny because I, I just fell into being the, the EMT thing and uh, it didn't make a lot of money. That's why I'm here. Uh, <laughs> that's not a joke. No. <laughs> <laughs> and this is more fulfilling. But to, like a follow-up to that is like, I yeah. wonder if Neil is, what is he, is he cultivating a side hustle? What is he? Neil. You know, what's right. he doing in his off time, you know? N-E-M-I-N-A-T for anyone who wants to give Neil a follow. Um technology brews family fun wow he's got kids he's got it oh what's this oh what is this thing called a v60 or whatever uh chemex we chemex nice. yeah coffee yeah i mean he has yeah, good we, taste we got wow. some what is it your buddy habit coffee we have we wish we yep. had a chemex with us so to brew we some habit right coffee but, i know yeah. shout out to habit coffee yeah. matt and bonnie sent mm. me this um so since money is a factor what i start my entire career over i actually have been thinking about this question I've been having an existential crisis for the past week, right? <laughs> so I've thought of everything for my whole life. How to answer this question? Uh, I keep thinking to myself, I've been having this feeling that obviously you all see it coming out with this podcast. I have so much more to talk about than working out, but how I make money, excuse me, bottom dollar money is through fitness. That's my trade of, here's what I'm most skilled at. Here's what I've worked hard to be skilled at, and here's what I'm making income off of. So if I could start over, what else would I do? 
and I've been asking myself over and over. In my mind, I think, I keep thinking, yeah, I feel sometimes I'm too good to just be writing programs and I'm smarter than that and all these things. And then I always double back and I think, well, what else would you do then? I keep thinking about it and I can't. But right, like no matter what you do, you're always never going to be perfect. There's always, there are always going to be lulls. Elaborate. You know, no matter how, I think like you said before, no matter how passionate you are in the beginning, there's going to, it's going to level out. Right. You know, you're 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 gonna plateau eventually and you'll have to find subtle ways, nuances to change so, it up to refresh that spark. So I think we're kind of what the angle that I'm coming from is that to Neil, when I first got in the door, anything seemed good. Right? When I first realized that I could just not like the deal initially was if you do this you don't have to spend every day in rush hour traffic. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. was just deal. That got me in the door. Yeah. Right. I was like, fuck, I'll do anything. Oh, so at okay, that okay. time I would have started a landscaping business at yeah. the time. Right. And so I think now that I've had some years to work it out, I am now seeing the more or less limitations in quote unquote glass ceilings within fitness the same way that I would have seen them in IT or the same way that I would have seen them in landscaping. Everything has its limits. Yeah. Everything, right? Right. So I was thinking about what I want and I and to Neil, maybe this can help you. What I ultimately want in my life is the ability to express myself as much as I can and get paid for it. Some people can express themselves through, you can be Monet. You can paint and express yourself through painting. That's one avenue. You could be, you could do street street clothes or Louis Vuitton, like Virgil Abloh's doing. You that's know, I wonder one expression. if Picasso ever got bored. I, so I'm that's too the thing. For this. What if Picasso was like, fuck, I just want to fuck. I just want to express myself through a race car driver. I just want to ride motorcycles or something, right? It's like... Whatever form, whatever career you pick or whatever form of expression that you want to do to, to work hard, or it's going to have some limit, mm-hmm. right? And I just think that I'm experiencing the growing pains of having 10 years in fitness. And right? it doesn't help during the quarantine. It doesn't help during the quarantine, no. right? And I talked to my, my brother the other day. He's a, I talk about him a lot. He's an Olympian. Come on. Who's, who's, who's job? dream job would it not be to be an olympic athlete Vice for, same for you how many people would kill to get paid to be in the fitness industry they would regardless kill. of what the position I, oh, is dude, you know? i see people starting up in fitness now and yeah. i feel so bad for them and i'm just like oh no not now like dude it is so hard now i think i gotta you be mean honest, how saturated it is it's insanely saturated if i had to start now i don't think i would have made it mm. i gotta be honest like i don't think I would have been. You as, have to be that much more consistent with it. You have to be so much more consistent. Uh, what you had to do back then to get in the door wasn't as risk risky as what you have to do to get in the door okay. right now. So, for instance, you are coming into your own, uh, making the transition from a great career yeah. you have, and then doing a better one going into some form of dabbling into creativity content creation using camera microphones using audio visual to kind of express yourself and make a dime you're transitioning into that or a blend of both what you have to do now right just to be in the door like you're like a toe in the door 
and we've went through the equipment setup costs, me and you before we broke it down on the spreadsheet, what you've had to invest financially, time-wise, and all these things. Dude, when I started, I started with uh, a quarter of a version of this camera, right? Eight gigabyte memory card, maybe. No mics, no nothing. Just beep, go, rant straight for 15 minutes, post. That's like, that was it. That was the barrier of entry. That was the barrier of competition yeah. when I got in. The bar is set. So it's like. Because our attention is so small, too. Our, that's a whole not, you dude, know, that's it'd be like It'd be like trying to get into Hollywood in 1955 versus today. Mm, yeah. Right? Yeah. I see, the, I see the, how hard it is to get in now, and it just seems incredibly difficult. So, with that said, Neil, I think if I had to look back and say, what would I, if I had to redo anything, I would pick whatever I feel like no one can beat me at. And I think that's always a good motto kind of, kind of to have. And if you're hungry and if you're young uh, and you have fervor, when I say young, I don't mean numerical age. I mean young as in I haven't been in the game too long, right? If I, if you're new to something, you should be so, you should want to meet the best, talk to the best, see the best, right? You should be excited to learn from who's, who's doing what. And then obviously you get jaded as anything goes on, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you have no interest in who's yeah right stuff at usc goes on you're just like who is it? all right all right like you're you're okay right you've got some skin in the game i would do whatever i feel like no one can beat me at because i there's one thing i've learned is that over the years you actually don't even have to be the best you just have to wait it out because things keep ha unfortunate things happen to people i've noticed so many athletes who were better than, oh god you saw circles around me and all yeah. the people content creators things just happen right or they, they lose steam, you know, or maybe they weren't doing it with the right amount of motivation or what right kind of motivation. And you it, it lost its spark. It lost its flame and they moved on. 100%. They moved on and it shows that you don't actually have to competitively beat people to beat people. Mm. Sometimes you just have to keep trucking along with um, the training you're doing, uh, whatever you're producing content wise. And other people, you may find that in a year, your rank goes up 500 people simply because you stuck it out and unfortunate things happen to them mm -hmm. right and it's not wishing ill on the competition but the truth is rank moves up because people just fall out of the race mm -hmm. it just happens maybe they sprain an ankle or maybe they ran a funds or you know people get sick things happen right, right. and so right. i found that over the years i'm not even that good i've just rose because people who are better than me burned burned out mm -hmm. on over the course of average of 10 years and it's a mix of luck and i would say it's yeah. persistence but it's not persistence as much as what else am i going to do man so I, yeah neil if you feel like you're in a place where this is the only this is the top thing that that is pulling to you and the ironic part is it's never an obvious it's never an obvious feeling to me like i love when people talk about passion and it's like this is what i want to do it's never obvious yeah. right i think the only thing that's obvious is the ladder it's like well what else am i going to do then if not this, then what, right? It never feels so right. The only things that have ever felt so right to me have been fad-based things, right? It's no joke that we all love Gangnam Style, right? <laughs> it was a clear as day. This yeah. is it. This is the dance I'm doing. Right. When right. you were going out, we're doing that, right? right, right? right and then right. it's in today, gone tomorrow, Yeah. right? But anything slow ramping, uh, ironically in these times, talking about slow ramping growth, no, man, it sustains. It's gotta be, it's gotta be perennial, I don't even want to say love for it, but it's just got to be number one. Even if it's not a blazing fire one, number one, it's just 
what else am I going to do? It's kind of like being married, right? Like oh. it's literally, it's kind of like being married. It's like, yeah, I'm not like in Fiji islands every day with my supermodel, but it's like, but this is, this is my rock. What else, what else is going to be my number? It's like, come on. Yeah. What else am I going to do? Right. Yeah. And I think sometimes it just comes down to that and sticking it through, man. So I don't know. Hopefully that helped. And hopefully you can get into leather. Really good. That was really good. Who else? Yeah, maybe oh. maybe I'll send you a leather wallet one day. That would be nice. <laughs> I have a, a faux faux leather wallet somewhere around here. It's going. Ian, thank you. Uh, he sent me a message. He said, "No questions." Some of my favorite things you talk about is good work, applesauce reference, American Dream, and being an entrepreneur. Well, we just covered some of that. Oh, nice. Yeah, American Dream 3.0. That's what was, that, was that was a big episode, one. Yeah, yeah or Ameri- two episodes ago. American Dream 3.0. Yeah, we should get that copyrighted. We get that phrase. <laughs> Tanya, shout out to you. We had a very good conversation. She referenced uh, episode two with Knut. Um, really just about being an aggressive woman. Um, oh, yeah. Right? And, and you kind of touched on this on the last episode as Abs- well. Right. The, the primalness, episode. yeah. Yeah. And it's not... So we basically had a back and forth where... Um, she, I don't know. She should... She, she she might come here and hear this later. She'll watch it later. But she was basically saying a lot of people are surprised to see my girlfriend is so, uh, the real word is off-putting, right? I'm well aware that for a woman, classically, she is very off-putting. She's loud. She's mean. She curses. She's abrasive. Um, and most women see that. And I'm not generalizing anything. I'm just going from a worldly perspective. Most women see that. And women have this weird thing where, uh, they're like, oh, I don't like her. She shouldn't be like that. She should be more how women say they should be, more mm. supportive and nice and um, more about the collective, less about the individual. Mm. Because women, I think, naturally have had that trait throughout years and years and years of evolution to support a family, right? You yeah. have to be more about the collective, less selfish, more selfless. Um, but when you have a woman who does that and experiences expresses and I'm specifically saying aggression expresses more traits of aggression that changes things, right? It's like the the biggest argument of why men uh, get paid more than women on in general. One flat out discrimination. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. number. That's we'll number just get one. Get that out the way. Right. We'll yeah. just get that out the way. And two, if not for discrimination, a lack of aggressiveness, and they're more agreeable. So when you don't like something as a man. You've been conditioned all your life to speak your mind as a man. You're more prone to say, I don't like that, fuck this, or I quit. If right? We're more aggressive as opposed to women, how they're nurtured, at least classically in North America and in, in the West, is they're more raised more to just be like, oh, just leave it alone. Right. Oh, it's so just, right? And that doesn't transfer well to the no. workforce. And they're considered a bitch. Like if, and if you're otherwise. considered a bitch, right? And yeah. so for me, I see, I've been doing, I'm a quote unquote bitch right but i'm a guy so i'm cool right, right? It's, it's okay it's considered okay so when i see canute do it or other women do it i'm just like hmm, i won't lie this makes me feel uncomfortable as a man <laughs> for sure but i like it like i like that you won't back down or some part of you is like proud and i trust you more especially if they're your client Especially if they're my client, dude. They're fighting Especially, for themselves. They're fighting for themselves, right? And it's not a male woman thing. It's a people. It's, it's a human. It's thing. a people person. Oh thing. crap! She's trapped. 
Where'd she go? I don't know. Oh, Canute's here. Uh, pause. Yeah, we can pause. Her. Let's pause. Shout out to these vegan donuts. We're back. You got your headphones? Yeah. There we go. Thank you to Beacon Donuts for... Oh, I don't even have a good shot of these. You got to do it. Oh, you got to just don't let them fall. That's all. <laughs> Bought these some vegan donuts. Um, where were we before? Uh, all right. The primalness, the primalness of of women and how it can be a turnoff, right? It's not a good thing to most people. I think it's a threat that ultimately that, that's gets, what it is. that ultimately gets Insecurity. answered with yeah. And so that's the thing, right? It's like how serious is your threat? I think kind of like we see it in the animal world. Mm. I should say the mammalian world at least. When someone poses a threat or says a threat, it's like, hey, uh, don't come near me. And then the other animal can respond, how serious are you? And the other animal's got to put up something to show. And that's generally some type of power, whether that's physical prowess, a fight. Most animals just take it to blows. Yeah. Or yeah, the financial power to go to court or something, right? And I think the thing is that from a primal sense, when most women have some voice, most dudes challenge them to go to blows. And it's like, I'm not going to let somebody who's physically inferior to me fight me, which is kind of the great equalizer to, you know, what the whole point of what suffrage was and the whole point of what, you know, civil rights and all these things are. It's like to, you have to make someone, you can't fight somebody, right? You can't. Out, no. You could, but it probably wouldn't be a wise idea. You spend 30 years of your life in prison trying to win a battle over how, how much more someone should get paid a raise, fight me over the race. Um, but it's a, it's interesting though. And I think that's why women who lift weights and women in fitness, it's one of the healthiest things they can get into mm. because it starts with, uh, a sense of physical strength gets increased. Um, and I think anything that gets strengthened makes you feel better, whether you run and your lungs get endurance, uh, or whether you read and your reading endurance goes up, anything that gets strengthened, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be skeletal muscle that gets strengthened, but I think anything that gets strengthened is a sign to show like, oh, I am a machine capable of progress, capable of adapting, capable of improving myself, right? And I think so many women aren't exposed to these worlds from, from early on. Uh, sports are not for girls. These things are not for girls. This is for boys only. So the things right. that are the simulations or, the, or the, the, the places where I learned to dare, to take risks, to miss shots, literally on sports... So many women still in this world are encouraged not to do, which, I mean, in my generation, I grew up, I, di I didn't, where I grew up, I didn't sense it. You know, being from here, you don't really sense it. It's pretty, uh, the, the gap of inequality is pretty closed. Mm -hmm. It's not even, I would say, but no. it's pretty closed. But as opposed to some other places where, um, you know, when you go to these places, like when I was in Dubai for a while and I spent some time there and you still see like, oh. Uh, there are night and day differences in what's going on in this part of the world versus my world. I wonder if there's like an underground league of women that are just like rising. <laughs> Dude, they so they had in a in Saudi Arabia when I was there. This was going on at the time. Uh, women in Saudi Arabia. Like I got there in Jan. I was there the whole January February 2019. I was there in 2019, I believe or maybe late 2018, it just became a law that women in Saudi Arabia could drive. Um, and so they did a mm. lot of like, obviously using YouTube and leverage and stuff like that. They did a lot of things that basically use like, uh, 
modern revolutionary things like they did in Egypt at the time. <laughs> they would get in they would get in the car, they would start in a they would start in a place like uh Oman or something like that. Hey baby. They would start in a place and then they would drive across the border. They would drive in a place where women could legally drive. Yeah. Then they would drive in all the way and they would drive in like groups of like fifty of them. Uh, drive across the border, drive in, probably drive like a mile deep across the border and then yeah. just lap back in. Right. Right. Just to show that like women can drive here. Right. Like even if it was illegal at the time. And just many silent revolutions. And it just worked. And it worked, dude. And it popped off. So yeah, dude. It's crazy. It's it's crazy what the internet does, especially in fitness, dude. It's like a great equalizer for these women. So shout out to you, Tanya, for that conversation. It was uh And really to all the primal women out there. <laughs> It's a new thing. What's that's the thing. I think the expression of it is a new thing, but it's an old thing, right? And mm-hmm. it's just like a wow, so many generations of these what, people. What other industries do you think can well, we can start seeing glimpses of that primalness? Um in like the the office setting. Like, I think no. it has to be I think it has to have a few qualifications. I think one needs to be the primary qualification is that uh it has to have ownership inherent. Right. So it's like you have to be able to be in an industry where you're like the final decision is up to me mm. as a woman. Fitness in beauty. Huge for that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, I think the second thing it has to have to have these deliverables, so to speak, is that. Women genuinely have to be interested in the product or service as equally, if not more, as men have to be. Right. It's it's. It's very hard in STEM for women to really take over because just statistically, more men are encouraged from a young age and interested for whatever reasons, whether it's nature or nurture, to be more into the sciences, technology, engineering, math fields, right? So for a woman to go and dominate that uh, without the support of her own kind, I think it would be very difficult, which brings me back to fitness. I would... See, dude, like fitness used to be fucking bicep flexing, Hulk Hogan living in America, Arnold Schwarzenegger 25 years ago, right? If you ask what fitness is today, it's booty bands, right? Like, dude, you don't like you don't go to the Explorer page and see it's all girls. Yep. (laughs) It's their industry. It's their industry. And that's what and dude, I will always, especially having a, a platform in fitness. I'd say probably every podcast, I will always go on and on and on about like women need to be, if you're into fitness and you're a woman, you need to be capitalizing on this opportunity because you can own it, have no boss, right? You can have that emboldened voice and no one can tell you anything. Mm -hmm. You can make your own decisions. Then you can have a following of fellow women and men who are not going to try to intrude and tell you what to do. So the office setting, I can't speak on it. I've never worked in office. I guess what other setting is like that primalness allowed for both, you know, for allowed that's a good word because i don't think it'll ever be allowed i think like only power only seeds power right no one's ever gonna allow a, a a woman or an oppressed group just to come up and have the power right but even for guys i guess like what setting is that normal and it's not the office setting it's not even a right. lot it's not normal for guys to do that you know so yeah who, I what other industry but like i i totally see your point about like yeah. you have to be your own boss in order to I think you have to be able say. to call the yeah. have the final say, right? Whether that's domestic, right? Well, I don't know. Right? It, you have to be you have to have the final say, no doubt, 
I think so. Like, I was raised in by my single mom, right? My mom had the final say. So there was never a point where uh, my mom would say something and I was like, I'm going to one up you and go to dad, which I don't know, maybe happens in two parent homes. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't really know. I wasn't raised in one. But my mom had to say. And that was pretty much it, right? And she had to kind of, she called the shots and what my mom said goes. There was no one above her. Right. Um, so whether it be domestic or like I said, business, I'm not sure. But it has to be one where you are actually the boss, not a manager or mid-manager. You actually have to be the boss of the operation. Um, and this is something that Jordan Peterson argues for more and more. He's like, uh, and he gets a bad name for it, essentially saying that women have uh, lost so many games because they're trying to play games that are the men's game right i think women are so incredibly underdeveloped in what their full skill set is because i think the world quote unquote is a man's world and for women to ever really manifest what they truly are they need to develop their own and i think Mm. we're seeing i'm obsessed with beauty and fitness yeah for the first time women have created a whole section of an industry right that is like this is yours 100 percent, truly your own thing right like if you look at what the average women in fitness does today uh a lot of it is a combination of her showing her body that she's worked hard on um other women aspire to look like her other men literally just drool over her she has she educates she hands out content she work and it's just like the male in that regard has no power other than to buy she's playing her game and a guy can't tell her what to do and men have done that very well to women right it's like a a, a woman conventionally would never beat me at let's say somebody like my dad would never beat my dad at the aggression game right he's come on He's tried and true, right? So if a woman, it's like the, it's like classic. It's like Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton's very aggressive. Donald Trump's very aggressive. It's very hard to be a man at his own game. And I think women are now inventing their own games, mm. right? You have to make up your own game to win it. You can't try to play. Um, it's like these, it's like these countries that I see that have been part of like the British Commonwealth, like. Uh, you see all these African countries and where I'm from, Guyana, and it's like what they're doing there when you go there, it's like the British were there, they put in a British system and it's like all these people who act their own way and act in their own culture, Yeah, they're trying their best to do what the Brits do in a British economy. They're trying to talk like Brits, walk like Brits, uh, and it just doesn't add up, right? It's like you've got to do things your own way. Right. Extreme example, North Korea, right? They're doing things in their own way, whether it's successful or not. I, I don't know. I have no idea. Is right? he dead? Is he alive? Who knows? He said they put out some fucking digital camera pics saying, like, no, he was cutting a ribbon so he, like, the other pixelated? day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like cutting this. He's cutting a ribbon on a fertilizer factory. I didn't even know you had to make fertilizer. I thought cows just shit. That was the end of it. That's, yeah. Kim Jong un, shout out to you if you're alive, man. We don't know the difference. All right. So shout out to everybody who listened to that second podcast and made it that far. Um, Ian didn't have anything to say. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you, Neil. Moving on. 
what other topics have been on, man? Existential crisis. That's been a big one. Yeah. I mean, are you slowly coming out of it? Because I feel like people our age have yeah. one maybe once a week, even without the quarantine. People have them that frequently, huh? Yeah. And now that they have time to sit with themselves, it's like, oh. hmm. Yeah. Existential crisis. So I'm currently having an existential crisis. I'll explain what it is if you don't know what it is. So there are, there's a branch in philosophy called existentialism. So there's all types of philosophies, right? There's fundamentalism, right? There's uh, people who basically question the meaning of the basic thing, as in like, um, I think, therefore I am, right? Like that's a very fundamental type of way of thinking. There's ethical philosophy. So there's all types of philosophical approaches you can have. One branch, existentialism, questions the thing itself. It's like matrixy type thinking. Uh, there are popular existentialist philosophers like uh, Frederick Nietzsche. He's probably the father of the genre. Um, Albert Camus is a very popular one. Uh, one of my favorites, uh, Soren Kierkegaard. Soren Kierkegaard, he has one of my favorite quotes, and he says, anxiety is the dizziness of freedom. And I feel like that existentialist outlook defines our generation we have an abundance of choice. Mm-hmm. We have an almost... It's crippling. It's a buffet of choices to the point that... Paradox of choice. It's crippling, yeah. right? And when you have everything, when you can look at a life and say, I'm perfectly healthy, there's clean water, there's an abundance of resources. I enjoy the cheap things in life. I enjoy going to concerts, Cheesecake Factory, the hedonic experiences, the flesh easy experiences... How do I attain true joy, true happiness through uh, true work, true labor, true utility, right? You have to commit yourself to something to really get that true happiness. And an existentialist basically looks at life and says, what is this thing? And when you don't make a choice, as Kierkegaard says, when you have freedom, it's dizzying. Because if you really stop and take a moment to be an existentialist, you say, okay, right now, Victor and I have uh, two bags of coffee, four beers on the table, five donuts, uh, Sorry, computers, <laughs> right? Right. So it's like a microphone and we're podcasting, right? Yeah. If I were a person more on, an, uh, I don't know, let's say I was imported into this room brand new from a farm in Morocco, right? and I've never seen any of this stuff, I would be drunk with options yeah right to the point that it creates anxiety right all of these options this camera is so this is five thousand dollars worth of camera what these donuts vegan what crazy like there's so much cool going on right now that i would actually be overwhelmed to make a choice because Mm. i don't want to experience fomo and i would be anxiety would set in I would be anxious because I couldn't pick and it's an endless feedback loop over and over and over. So an existential crisis is what people, millennials, infamously have. The genera- <laughs> My parents and your parents did not have the luxury to no. have an existential Somehow crisis. They, my, I mean, my parents made it work. We, we talked about it before. It's cool. like... Yeah. I, and I, it was less of a arranged marriage than, it, than I thought it was. Um, have you updated on this? Have you talked to them since? Uh, no, not directly. Okay. Um, but, I mean, we, the last conversation shed light on the fact that it wasn't as much of a arranged marriage as i thought it'd be and so there was love involved there was love involved there were some love letters going back Kunun and, and i have been watching mad bollywood movies lately yeah um and if no one knows anything about bollywood movies minimum 
minimum two hours and 50 minutes per movie. Oh, shit. And they don't play. Right? If you're Indian and you're going to the movies, you don't got shit to do. Like, you're going to the fucking, fucking movie. Right? No double features? <laughs> Our podcasts are long. These fucking, these movies go straight. Straight through. Titanic every time. And the stories are very um, clean. Classic stories. Classic Indian stories. Yeah. Um, and the stories basically go like, oh, uh, I'm a damsel in distress or so to speak right i'm a guy who's a cool guy and i wear american clothes and i wear polo and i'm this or if it was older oh he has uh he was a cool guy and he's the boss or something and he's like and it's these things and it's always like this girl who's somewhat helpless and beautiful her dad has chosen the guy kind of a oof, oof who's he's chosen to marry and then the guy has to somehow use his charisma and fucking songs sing songs and dance and shit and convince this father that i'm going to be uh married to your daughter so it's a love story in india right over and over and over and we've been watching a lot of these movies um and i think if there's one thing i learned from them dude is that every every generation in some way shape or form uh when it comes to the love story has had their sort of existential crisis because India keeps playing the same movie and over and over and over. Like to me, it wouldn't be that hard, right? To me, I've never really thought of the reality of like, I've had no expectations of having kids or being married. It's almost sort of like a foregone conclusion in my family. It's like, if you get to it, you get to it. If you don't, you don't. Uh, It'd be nice if you did, right? So I've never really had pressure to Hmm. choose as opposed to these people who have mad pressure, oh, yeah. right? Do I choose to stay loyal to my parents and do what they feel, marry what, what, you want what Babu G knows yeah. is best for me and all this shit? Right. Or do I choose love? Literally, do I choose love or do I choose what's best? So for them, it's their version. So my version, I think, um, this past week and a half that I've been going through with this existential crisis is basically I f- have the tools that I generally use in the world to express my best version of myself uh, are going to a gym, right? Going to see people, going to socialize. Uh, and all of these things outside of my home that are out in the world are tools that are extensions of myself that I use to exercise and make Ryan an amplified version of who he is when he's not home. Uh, and some time, a month, two months, it feels like with these things removed, um, I am a much lesser version of myself than I believe to be. I almost feel like you've stripped down all of the things that I identified with now that I'm home. And now I have to look in the mirror of this person who is just home. And it begs the question, well, what am I now? Mm. What am I then really, right? If I don't have gym, if I don't have outside, if I don't have family life, if I don't have social life, how old am I? What am I doing with my time? If I can't work, if I can't go to, like with all of the outside external things removed, I have to now look at myself and say, well, what am I? What am I doing, right? And it's a fucking freaky question when you can't get it out of your head, right? It's an existential crisis. Or it's an opportunity to reset. If you have the strength, right? Like one of the things Kierkegaard talks about is that to have an existential crisis is a luxury of someone with a high IQ. I don't want to say high, right? Like people go to prison for murders and shit and they've been in that cell alone for 30 years and they come out and do an interview like charles manson they're like 
I don't know what everyone's fucking working. And it's like, whoa, you've reflected none. <laughs> you had not one, not one fucking moment of reflection. <laughs> no, yeah, no, no. Yeah, sit there, dog. We got you. We got you. Death row. Come on, right was experimented on, bro. Dude, nuts, right? Like, dude, I'm not in prison. I'm not like, for anyone who did time, shout out to you. I'm not making it light for prisoners, but. Dude, I know some people who've done time, right? Like, I competed against this dude who did time, and it's like his perspective. I looked at his Instagram, and he's got some of the realest shit on Instagram. I'm like, oh, God. Yeah, you were. You mean that, right? You've lost time. You did seven years. You've lost time. Catch up. Right? Like, and, and he's thing, not taking it for granted. Oh, no. Yeah. No, dude. And, like, he's he's posting about his quarantine, and he's you know, New Yorker guy. He's like, this ain't nothing for me. I'm like, it's, nigga, you're right. It ain't. Like, like you, you came out of the pen swole. So you're, you're doing great at home. I, have, I imagine you have plenty yeah. of heavy and sharp items you can lift. So, dude, like, yeah, I'm dealing with facing myself in a mirror, and that's running concurrently with this odd writer's block and creativity, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So, like I was telling you a bit earlier. I can't, like, generally my therapy is to put a pen to paper and tie together the thoughts, right? If I have a hundred confusing things in my head that I can't figure out, I just say, write for 30 minutes and let it string itself. And then you can read back and kind of understand yourself in in a better sense. That writer's block is, for some reason, I don't know. The writing is shit, right? I've even had to figure out like you said, some new things, right? So like you said, it could be a chance to use this existential crisis to basically find the new fundamental reality of Ryan in this current phase and moving forward, or I can mope and, you know, be sad about it. But I'm fortunate Definitely not mope, but maybe find other sources of inspiration. Yeah, that's been... Whether whether that's that's Bollywood movies. Bollywood movies. Whether that's cooking more. Whatever you're consuming, pay attention to what you're consuming, right? So is it more of the, you know, daily updates with the governor? The sadder you are, but the sadder you are, the more you don't give a fuck. It's a cycle, right? It's depression. Yeah. I'm not depressed. I'm not going to say I'm depressed. But it's like, it's hard to get up out that hole. Yeah. Right? And you need a day. Like today, yesterday was my sobering day. Literally, I took yesterday just to be like, okay, let me just wake up, go to bed. Like, let me just get my body let me just not eat Chinese food out of the fucking uh, container. The white, con- the white container. Like, let me just sober up. And then today I was like, I'll get back to work. All right, I'll just get back to it. So I'm not, yeah. it's, it's only a week. In my reality, yeah. it feels like a month, but it was only a week. Um, but a lot of my clients and a lot of people have been going through this in this period, dude. And it's a real thing if you can't get out. If, it, if you can't will yourself right yeah. if you don't have the brain or system to write or figure it out and get yeah. out or love or support system how does one get out of this an existential yeah. crisis turns into uh, next thing you know the doctor says here's these benzos that help you with your depression right and now, now you're stuck sort of in this new cycle yeah what um, to do i think I, I don't know if i saw this in uh tim ferris's like email letter but it was like to to be good just do it to be great do it again and again and again. Tim Ferriss. Shout out to Tim Ferriss for putting out starter content for the past 25 years, dude. He puts out great, great content to get you in the game. If it weren't for Tim Ferriss, man, I don't know. I don't know if I'd be doing this. He's so important. He reminds me of GNC for oh, fitness wow. people. He's that thing where, you know, he might not take you to mastery, 
you know, you have to change some more specific. But it's, it dropped the idea into your head. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. right and that's kind of what, like what, what, uh, what I like about Tim Ferriss. He knows how to take, he reads well, he's well read. Right. So you can take some, uh, Taoist saying of like, fall down nine times, get up 10. And Tim Ferriss says, it's right that. And it's same thing, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, speak it in my language. I don't know. Fall down nine, get up 10. And right, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how to convert that to my feelings. So he does that very well. And shout out to him for really, uh, honestly, being consistent throughout all these years. Yeah, Tim Ferriss is great. If no one knows Tim Ferriss, Four Hour Workweek. I think we talked about that previously on this podcast. But it was a life changing book for my for my early on entrepreneurship and learning about what efficiency is. You know, just 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 basic efficiency. So, so yeah, man. What else we got on the agenda other than my existential crisis for today? Um, I mean, so just some like habits that, wh- what do you think will stay after this quarantine? Oh, that's a good question. The, like the habits that you're cultivating during, I'll during probably this be time. fat for the rest of the year. <laughs> <laughs> that's a guarantee. Uh, what are the habits? Shout out to Habit Coffee, by the way. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, what are the habits? I think, um stretching if i have to look at the positive habits stretching will stay yeah um stretching stretching i'm starting to see for so so with what i do strength in training and muscle building stretching is always seen as this precursor it's like do your mobility to land you to um train i've now seen stretching almost as its own thing now right so it's like now i am strength train i am muscle build and i am a stretch take a stretch class yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. like i stretch i i I have i know a chiropractor in the area actually um that works out of um alumen crossfit alumen um that hosts a a weekly if not interesting kin stretch i'd like to stretch more that's something i'm more interested in stretching the only thing i don't like about stretch i don't want to say like the only thing that i feel that i can't get with with stretching uh, is the energy same thing with yoga um i can't subscribe to the energy that they do it with like not much energy but but uh, the amount of focus it takes to continue on through the class to hold a stretch to hold a pose in yoga yeah it takes a lot of focus too much for and me. you'll feel the burn too much for me right yeah i need to like get up on a stretch and I need to hold it about a quarter time that you're holding it. But then, but then, and then you come to the realization that like, I suck at this. And then you'll f- hope, I think you're of the, the nature that'll like, that'll feed the fire. Like, okay, well, let me try to get good at this then. Yeah, kind of, but I can only be good at so much. Right. And I think that's what a specialist. Or at least to put more effort into it. Kind of. Right. Because, okay. So for, for anyone who does stretch or do yoga, if you're interested in being stronger, generally, being flex flexibility and strength do not mesh well a tight athlete is a good athlete that's kind of a, a conventionally known thing right you can kind of think about it as um in the what's it called goldie tendons that like, we have like a spring it's called a stretch reflex yeah right so it's like basically when you put a muscle at full stretch you have you train its tenacity to bounce back right and the more flexible you are, the more you stretch that thing, 
the less you have a rebound in the bottom of the hole okay. at the inflection point. I got you. Right? So there is such thing as if I get too good at stretching, I will make an adaptation and be less strong for the main thing. So with the classes, yeah, I'd like to learn some. But I can't adapt to your level because I got something else. The same way as I won't force you to adapt maybe, to my maybe level. Maybe not from that perspective of matching yeah. um, flexibility or mobility with strength, but from the prehab perspective of maintaining health. That's what it is. Right. It's prehab. But you don't, you take things for granted like your sciatic nerve until yeah, something until becomes inflamed and you can't fucking walk anymore or squat or deadlift. <laughs> Shout out to all the pregnant women with sciatica right now. <laughs> It hurts. Yeah. It hurts seriously. And I think it took me an injury, a string of injuries, I should be honest, to realize how serious I should take this. And then also uh, with my age now, I'm on, I'm not on the other side yet of the fence fully, uh, but I'm reaching the inflection point, right? In six, in less than six and a half years, wait, seven and a half years, I'll be 40 years old. And, uh, I imagine seven and a half years, the next seven and a half years of my life is going to go pretty quickly, right? These are very busy years of my life if I can stay healthy, God willing, you know, but um, next thing you know, I'm going to wake up and I'll be 40 and it's like, okay, your mind is healthy. In fact, your mind is uh, hitting its prime in the next 15 years, right? My mind is going to be sharper than it will ever be, uh, but my body athletically... uh, it's on its way out, you know, like that Michael Jordan thing that's been out. Michael yeah. Jordan played his I, I was re-watching that last, the episode three, and Kunu was like, Kunu isn't, that, isn't, that, isn't that about the Bulls? I'm like, it's about Jordan, and it's totally about the Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> it's about the Bulls. People have no idea what it was like to actually be here while the Bulls stuff was happening. That's great, yeah. Dude, it seemed like it was almost too much, right? Like having the bull, like... Having the bulls in your home. This was a place to be. It, dude, it felt like it kind of. And we had, we caught that second win with the Hawks. No, the Hawks. That was nuts. You know what was nuts? not not as great as the, okay, not as great as so the, here's the two three peats, but like seriously, like it's been a while since they brought home a cup. I'll so be honest, like, dude. So with the Hawks, you knew Kane is good, right? You know we had good players, but dude, we didn't have Jesus Christ incarnate Himself on the Hawks. Right? Like, we literally used to watch games and just be like, championship. Right? It was it was, it was like watching Michael Jordan, your home team. Like, dude, of all the sports teams around the world, it doesn't matter if it's Lionel Messi. doesn't matter if it's fucking Arthur. It doesn't matter. If you pick any great athlete you've been rooting for, Michael Jordan, dog. Michael Jordan has never been on your home team. Yeah. Right, like Michael Jordan. This is like Mike. This is not Mike Tyson. Like this is the one we reference to. Like Kunu always says this thing: of all the things you can be good at in life, yeah, we call you the Michael Jordan of engineering. Yeah, Mike, right. He's become a meme. He yeah. is. He is. And what they said. One thing somebody said in the documentary. Anonymous. He. Somebody said that Michael Jordan was as good at his job as anyone could ever be at their job. Yeah. Right. If there was a job, like I was saying earlier about expression, if you could have picked, if he could have picked a tool to express himself more. He picked baseball. He expressed himself okay. He worked himself up to a few decent, right, right, but he was okay. Yeah. But when he expressed himself through a basketball and through the field of basketball, no one possibly, arguably other than 
Abraham Lincoln or something, right? Like, was never better at their job than Michael fucking Jordan. Like, it's it's a very rare group of people who have ever done their job. They've been hired and paid for. Yeah. Right? You couldn't pay me $33 million a year to be as good. You can't pay LeBron James $33 million a year to be as good as Why is that still a debate? Why, why are people still debating? It's not even about who's good, who's better. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Right? How much will you stretch your paycheck? Right? Like, with what you get paid from the school, are you willing to be the best teacher? How much money will it take you to be the Michael Jordan of that? Mm-hmm. It's like no money. It's like Michael Jordan was worth way, obviously, today. Yeah. He was worth way more Inflation, yeah. than his value right. at the time. And he still came out and, and gave the Bulls that uh, that amount of value, which from a work ethic perspective to me is shocking that anyone can and work so that what? hard. And you so what? You let someone else, like your, your manager, fight for you as far as all the other deliverables? I don't know. Details. But I imagine his management did a great job. Yeah, but he right? let his passion drive Jordan's yeah. Space Jam and all that stuff. Right. right. Yeah, I imagine he did a great job. But, dude, I have lazy days. I have lazy days more times a week than I'd like to admit. I have days where I don't feel like it, days where I'm just like dragging it. Not Michael Jordan, right? Like, not like Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan them, right? Like, he, Michael Jordan every day, which to me is like. And so, what? Do you remind yourself of him when you feel like you're in a lull? That's been another thing that I've been realizing channeling your jordan no so i think uh one thing i've accepted uh going into this next phase of my life so all of my life up to this point i feel like the model that i use to be conventionally successful at least has been the athlete has been the athlete model um and i see my brother struggling with this to make his to change his model to into the world so everything i did up to that point was Train hard, show up every day, grunt through it, yell, do it when you don't feel like it, run fast, and that works. I'm getting older, and I'm getting to a point now with the type of business I want to do where I just can't show up and sprint 10, 100-yard sprints and call it a day, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's more like I'm running 800s, two laps, and miles now. Like it feels right, different. Right. It's hard still, but it's it's a different game. So. I think I've just been coming to terms with a lot of the things I've been writing is like, who am I actually? Uh, Gary Vee talks a lot about this self-auditing, self-awareness. And I think one of the things that I came up with and I've been telling Knut about a lot is that I'm just not an hours guy, right? I wish I were one of those people where I could just say like, oh yeah, dude, I work out. I, that's, a, that's a crazy thing. I can work hours and I do work hours, but I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy working a lot of hours. Some guys like to wake. Like I remember one time I was watching this video on Gary Vee's morning routine. And they're like, what are your morning routines? Do you meditate? Something? He's like, no, I just, you know, I get up. I go to the bathroom and, you know, I go to the gym. I eat and I get to it. And I was like, and that's it. That was it. It doesn't have to be anything special. It was nothing special. In yeah. fact, he couldn't wait to get to it. He couldn't wait to maximize hours in the day. And you see these people who are just mad efficient with their days and they're, working these 14 hour blocks and sleeping and and dude, dude, some people thrive off of that i love free time too much and when i say free time i don't want to complicate it with squandering time i love unassigned time way too much it's one of my favorite things right so i can go and be an hours guy but it would be my ultimate demise right sort of like the question that neil was saying like how do you avoid burnout? And I think a big part is knowing who you are. So one of the things I'm realizing is that however I do this 
moving forward. My business has in career as an athlete up to this point has been successful, but I think I have to accept that I am never going to continuously. I can I can work an 80-hour week. I did when this coronavirus stuff first went down, in fact, right? I had to. I was working nuts to save my business. I was working nuts like a madman to save my business, to put out daily videos for my clients. I was working like crazy, right? And then I just exhaled this last week because that's not who I am. That's not who I want to be. Uh, I'd like to watch a Bollywood movie for three fucking hours, make some jokes, yeah, right? Like I'd like to eat a meal, slow down, like... I'm not an Albers guy, and I'm just realizing all of these things that you hear in the realm of success, whether it be athletic or whether it be career-wise, whether it be personal, I'm starting to just realize who am I and what do I do, right? Ours is one of them. I think another one of them that's been predominant with me is that I'm not a fast morning person. I need, dude, this is going to blow your mind. Before I can successfully do anything work-wise for the day yeah it takes i'm not joking five hours it takes of like what to do what exactly i don't fucking know ask a new <laughs> I, don't, I don't know <laughs> it takes so long it takes so long and i'm like why can't like dude some people can wake to up to be awake i don't even know like to want to dude some people can wake up their alarm goes off they go in the bathroom and it only takes them like eight minutes and then they go when they hit the road and they got coffee. And the, yeah. Dude, I have so many things I have to fulfill. Like, I am a complicated little dude. Is like, it because you're so close to work? No. Like, what if you had to, like, be somewhere by a certain time, you know? That's why I didn't do it because I know I couldn't do it. Oh. Okay. Right? <laughs> I, well, it sometimes would force you to do it, though. All right. Here's, here's some TMI for you. <laughs> Before I get anything done in the morning... I have to number two right away. Yeah. Then I have to eat. Then I have to number two again. Wow. Twice before noon type guy. Oh, wow. Okay. Right? Oh. Dude, I used to think, I remember when I was in college, I was like, how am I going to take a shit when I go to work? Like, I, <laughs> it was a serious concern of mine. So much so to the point, it was like, I can't have that job. I got to do something else. I got to take it. I got to take another shit. Like, what am I going to, <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> like, I got to take another shit. Yeah. Right? So it's yeah. like, I knew myself then, and I know myself now. It's like, don't get me wrong. I work out in the mornings, too. I okay. don't want to say mornings. I work out first, right? So it's like, I get up, I work out, I do the whole thing, I eat, I, and I digest the food, and I try to write some, and it's like, and it's like, by time, it's like, ring the bell, can we start the money-making process? Yeah. It's like five hours of day. Yeah, but when you're working, you're working. <laughs> Oh, it's not. Oh, I thought it'd be. I thought it would be. Oh, okay. I'm not. Fo- I'm not a focused person Interesting. either. Right. I'm not a focused person either. If I had, dude. If I had focus in the, I would on like. That's why I admire people like Jordan because I'm like, okay. So you managed to go all those years, and suppress your interest to watch. A Bollywood movie, right? Like, I want to know. I want to know shit. In fact, I want to watch. I want to watch one tonight. Like, I can't wait to watch watch one tonight, right? It's yeah. like, I just don't have that much interest in money making. And see, and that's that's the theme of the, the, the last, like, merch drop was, like, where's your top? What is your ideal uh, work-life balance? Elaborate on that idea. Where's your top? Yeah, there's a play of, like, sexual innuendo, but, like, it's... Okay, I was like, that sounds kind of weird, but... Uh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, 
but there, there's a saying like see you at the top i'll see you at the top mm. but what if your top is different from my top right right, right? right. so figure out be self-aware of your wor- ideal work-life balance because some people work to play some people play to work but at the end of the day money doesn't give a fuck and in our episode three, we talked about you need money to play. You need money to play. Right? right. Yeah. So it's like I hear myself say all these things. They sound like the true artiste I am. And I'm expressive and I don't care about money and I want to take five hours. But dude, you best believe if I got business to do, all that shit is out the window. I'm going to live every day miserably and work 80 hours mm-hmm. and do what I need to do. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. get out, throw it out the window, right? To me... Every bodybuilding. So what is it? You need you need more um, short term goals, like because yeah. I I find myself maybe pulling all nighters or four a.m. nights when I want to put out a video like the next day. Otherwise, if I have other things to do, yeah. I'll just put on the back. Shelf. I think it goes back to what we were saying earlier, right? When when Neil had that question and he said, "What would you do if money weren't? What would you do with your career if money weren't a concern?" And my answer was, "I wouldn't have a career." Truthfully speaking, I don't want to work. Mm-hmm. I have no interest in working. If I could do whatever I wanted to do, truthfully, I would hang out with my family. Mm-hmm. I would do stuff. I would learn. I'd create stuff. I'd still put out content a little bit, a little bit. Uh, that'd be that'd be it, mm-hmm. right? I'd work at my pace. Maybe I'd put out something twice a week. Yeah, get the emails whenever I felt like it. Yeah. I'd go at such a slow pace, I'd make like, you know, $7,000 a year if it were up to me. But it ain't up to me, right? And that's the game, right? And so that's the thing. It's like, blessed be the person who is Michael Jordan and loves being Michael Jordan and thrives in it, right? But the way the system is set up to be successful or have the comfortable life you have, I have to sacrifice some of who I ultimately am in exchange for living good, which is fair, right? Because there are some people in the east who work triple the hours i work every day sunday to sunday um and reap very few fruit from all the hours of work that they've been putting in on that factory and expressing little to no thought put in the square peg inside so i'm appreciative for it but i think my ultimate goal and why i think of retirement often retirement as in like an old person yeah um i cannot i i love my life and i want to work but I cannot wait till I get to the point where I am like a child in his or her room playing with toys and no adult is watching me. That's my ultimate goal, right? And when I feel like people are watching, when I feel like there's pressure, um, I succumb to it. I don't do very well unless it's a sport, unless it's a competition. That's why I do well here because mm. it's competitive, right? Um, I can do well where there's competition. I won't die. I won't be crushed. But if it's just free will, do 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 what you will do. Or no. let's say, we, like specifically with us, like you've given me like a lot of creative freedom, so I don't feel like I have to conform to anything. But I still have a deadline over my head that that makes me stay up till four in the morning. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so everyone has their own <laughs> ideal ideal. Time, well, I guess. but that's the thing, though, right? It's like. It's the one thing that I always emphasize more than anything. And it's like, dude, it's money, right? If there's one thing that keeps people in line, it's money, right? So that's why like, we had a conversation off topic before earlier about um, basically Victor is new to creating content. New as in compared to at least as long as I've been doing it. 
Um, and you talk about jobs and expanding and it's, it's the journey of someone who's into audiovisual creation. Um, if there's any piece of advice I have is that the only thing that holds an agreement to be true is resource. I don't even want to call it money, whether it's, uh, money, whether it's time, uh, whether it's anything that you value, right? Like the only thing that makes a person motivated is something real, mm-hmm. right? Like a person cannot be motivated because it's an ideal they have. They can't be motivated because it's something they like. I think this is why uh, it's not sustainable. There you go. Yeah. And I think that's why the it, in politics, that's why I think the extreme left always falls short because what they want is ideal, what they want is uh, kind of a Plato's Republic utopia, as opposed to the far right. They're based off fear, right? Mm, so their yeah. their faith or belief or whatever they have um, is arguably more concrete because fear is more real than fantasy. It's motivating, right? right? right. Not the healthiest motivator. You'll wake up with an ul- ulcer and fucking <laughs> right in a, in, in a what is that thing called? My dad had one. A stroke, <laughs> yeah. a stroke yeah. from the stress, but but yeah, dude. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know the answer, man. I'm just making it up as I go, right? Yeah. So, I know we shall we we shall we shall see what the what the future holds. Um, before we start recording, we talked about what uh, what different demographics are going to make it out of this oh, quarantine yeah. and specifically about the people that are collecting unemployment right now. Yeah. Um, businesses are starting to reopen, but it's they're, they're having a hard time getting those employees to come off unemployment. Because I imagine they're, they're making more Life on unemployment good. than off of unemployment. I work. Some, some employees actually, you know, miss work so much that they're, they've asked the boss to compromise and put them on a rotating schedule. So they still qualify for unemployment. Mm. But they missed that. We talked about this before. This utility, right? The yeah, act yeah, of being yeah. utilized. You're not doing that at home, if 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 you're not in that industry, right? So like, they they want. I'm, I'm yeah. sure some part of them wants to go back to work, but financially, and that's, and that's complex because financially, it's like why go back to work if I'm getting paid to do nothing? And then I think there's another part of you that's like, dude, it's kind of a like. It's kind of a, a whip back, a whip back at the uh, bourgeois class, as Karl Marx would put it. Right? It's like in capitalism, as Karl Marx says, there's the proletariat class, the worker, and the bourgeois bougie class. It's the owner of the business. He defines capitalism. This is Marxism. I don't stand by Marxism. He defines capitalism as a capitalist is a person who steals the profits of the worker. So if I have 500 employees and I pay them hundred dollars for a day and they produced a hundred and seventy dollars i robbed them of a hundred and seventy dollars right Karl marx argues that the profits should go to oh no the profits should go to that plugged in there we go it just turned black (laughs) we'll just cut it we'll be fine all right Karl marx argued that that was the first time that happened i was looking (laughs) for the first time (laughs) i don't know Okay. (laughs) So that's the thing, right? It's like kind of touching on capitalism and I'll double back. The camera just went out. I trust that you'll figure it out. Yeah. You'll learn from it and you'll self-correct. 
if you're not the type of person to learn from it, self-correct, you'll be fired ultimately, right? So like that's kind of the beauty of free market and leaving people alone to discover their Yeah, thing, what a great example. Right? So it's like leave people alone and they'll figure it out. And it's up to me as an employer to find the best to figure it out, right? When you're stuck with ill talent, they'll be fired and they'll be put in unemployment that lasts uh, 39 weeks, and yeah. I don't know, something like that. And then they're frictionally unemployed, right? They're frictionally unemployed for a while, then they're permanently unemployed. They're out of the workforce. And that's for them to figure out, right? Like these people who are not going back to their job from a capitalist perspective, and this is me totally being capitalist and insensitive from a capitalist perspective, there's somebody out there who is probably less qualified than them, but is like, I need a job. I need a job. And this will say, you're hired. You're out. Mm. And this person who sat home like a dodo is going to be mad and they're out of a job, right? So that's kind of the thing. There's always going to be in the market someone willing to do what you do more desperate for less. Now, don't get me wrong. Give that person two and a half, three years at that job. They're going to have demands and that's how unions work and stuff like that. But to my to my Marx example, capitalism is, to his definition, robbing people from their money, essentially. And the money belongs to the person who produced it, uh, not the person who organized it, if you really think about it from that perspective. And to, to that, he has a point. But his examples of Marxism haven't really played out well in any country that's tried to be a Marxist so society. I wonder, I wonder if that second stimulus package will, will pass. If it passes and we start getting, let's say, two grand every month. Yeah. Do you think people will feel emboldened to start experimenting with their... With their two thousand dollars, with their goals, or if I'm mm. sure there's people that will all, all of that will go to to like sustenance and just main, yeah. maintenance, right? But I'm, I wonder if there's a subset of people that will take that as an opportunity to maybe maybe go back to school or yeah. or find a job that they actually enjoy doing mm. rather than a job that pays the bills. Yeah, I think it'll be a mix. You know, like every American generation, like there was a generation of Americans who fucking got on a wagon and <laughs> went west mm-hmm. right to go mm-hmm. great game make yeah. rail- railroads or pan for gold like so i think this is why we call it the land of opportunity because mm-hmm. at any given point when disaster strikes economically or, or any or any type of disaster strikes in our country whether it be a natural disaster um there are opportunities right there are opportunities that 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 happen from anything i think it's a, equivalently uh dismay and good opportunity that good fortune that takes a while to grow but um i do think there would be a certain t- group of people who who are more risk averse who will do the same thing they always do they'll get a two thousand dollar check and they'll not change mm-hmm. right but i do also think there would be a certain group of people and I'm me who will be like i give me two thousand dollars i'm gonna put that towards something right away Right. And there's going to be some people who's like, I'm going to invest in it in mm-hmm. something. Right. So there's going to be every type of American to do something with it. I think personally, the more I keep looking at these stimulus packages, I'm just like, all right, where do they keep getting all this fucking money from? Right. Like that's, that's my other thing. So I think ultimately the Democrat in me is like, I hope this money comes through. People need it. If they can't go back to work, uh, especially in the state like but then that's the thing that's right it's like georgia does georgia need the same amount of money if they're open right it's a weird thing mm. so it's an odd thing right mm. and it's getting into federal power and it's, it's very confusing so i think the democrat in me feels like people need relief for sure 
is giving people money the answer? Not long term, but short term, I don't know, maybe. Maybe yeah. it does help pay pay a mortgage, you know, and keep them above water. But at the same time, somebody's going to have to pay for this, right? This is if you look at it's like so for instance, I'll go I'll, do, I'll give my own, my own example. There was one point in my life where I went to school and I accumulated nearly $70,000 worth of debt in education. All education loans, no credit cards, no anything crazy, just education loans, right? Today, I'm paying for that, right? So at some point, the American public is going to have to repay this. I'll be alive when the taxes go back up, right? Something will happen. A Democrat will get back in office. Somebody will say, we can't afford this. We got to balance the budget, blah, blah, blah. Well, the last years we didn't cut. Like, like, so if you look at the, the numbers, somebody's going to pay for this. Yeah. Eventually, I right? Wonder, the, yeah, I wonder who. Because what if they us, decide to just take it off? Well, take, they, take away all the loans. And so that's the other thing, too. Where they get the money from in the first place to give loans, right? Student loans are given out from American taxpayer money. The, America, the United States of America conducts more or less no business, right? They're not out there making money. They don't do anything really to make money. They have some things they have, but they don't really make money themselves. The money making is up to somebody like me who says, hey, I'm going to make videos, I'm going to do content. And then I have a client from Austria who gets money out of the Austrian bank and says, hey, Ryan, I'm going to give you that money. And so I now have made $200 from this Austrian guy in Austrian dollars. And I take that money and then I give the United States government 30%. And they're like, thank you. They didn't do, I right, all they did was they gave me the opportunity to make that money. They gave me infrastructure with fast internet, clean water, good education, right? That's, you got to pay the house. The house got to, has to win. So the, so the federal government, I've always looked at them as like, you got to pay to play, got to pay to play. So it's like, they keep the house good, they keep the drinks moving, and it's like, play hard, because it costs a lot to play in this country, like tax-wise. So mm-hmm. ultimately- this money that we were supposed to be given for the world's fucking scary, right? For the military, like I was looking up, <laughs> I was looking up Elon Musk's son, his name, <laughs> and he was talking about the jet he named his son after. Yeah, yeah. And I was looking at this jet. It's a Lockheed Martin jet, and it can go from um, New York to London in two hours. And I was just like, I didn't even know this stuff existed, right? I didn't even know that it was a real thing, right? And it's like, but I paid for that. You paid for that. We paid for that. We've paid for that. That's our jet. I can't get in there and fly it, but like I paid for that, right? We paid for that with our money. So um, it's this weird thing. We're short term. I feel like I hope that this money we're using, people take this opportunity and they do their best to um, make something of it, whether that be become a content creator. People are making TikToks now, right? A lot of people are getting their first taste at creating content or they take that money or they buy yeah. equipment and start making t-shirts or something as cringy as tiktok is i gotta give it to tiktok for the amount of like user creativity that like it sparks in you on like, the platform on the platform so like yeah, yeah you it's, you, it's like a, who needs adobe premiere when you have tiktok it's, dude it's like know? vine came back from the grave yeah it's amazing yeah to see where it. are the copyright you know for the know, infringements right? <laughs> Yeah, Vine got that Vine 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 did it big and got no love. Yeah. Went under. I don't know. Yeah, Vine really did it big. Yeah. But I don't know, man. I, I, I really hope that uh 
everyone listening to this and any American who does receive any type of cash uses it for the thing that is most urgent and most priority. And if you don't have any urgent priorities, you will ultimately over the course of your life, pay that back through increased taxes. So make that an investment, right? Yeah. Either put it in a mortgage, put it in a, something that hopefully will, will credit card debt, yeah. put it towards something that'll knock it down. So at least you get some type of return, some, something on it. So, right. um, but I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm just a dude talking to the microphone. One last thing. Let's wrap it up after those. Um, cultivating a world world perspective a world view i uh two weeks ago i talked to you about witnessing like protests downtown yeah because of the extension the social distancing extension um and i don't know where these people came from whether they live in the city or coming up from the small town up to downtown area and protesting but recently um someone who i didn't expect just you know was flat out completely outspoken about flat earth and yeah and the whole the whole conspiracy theory on vaccines and all, all that stuff and they live in the city they operate a business a, a very well great business in the city and they're around all types of people all day every day yeah and so i, I thought it wasn't i would have never seen something like that i thought I, I understood why someone might have a small world perspective if they're stuck in a small town because they don't know anyone that might have gotten corona, right? But in the city, like when you're surrounded by this many people and you still have Kinda this nuts. like weird, like small worldview. That's my fascination, like I say, like I was saying earlier with the South, right? Like the South was, the South, the Southern soldier was named the Rebs. The Rebs are coming. The Rebels are coming. Like even mm-hmm. when you go to Ole Miss, University of Mississippi, they're, they're the rowdy Rebels. Like the South, the Texas, right? They have this weird fascination of like they came over and they rebelled against England and then they continued this rebelling in like the South. And like, I think some people just have this fascination with being a rebel Mm -hmm. with or without a cause. Right. Right. Sometimes. Right. And I think sometimes people like to acquire their power just from being different. And I see this a lot, especially in fitness since it's so unregulated People are just finding a way by any means that are necessary to be an outlier, right? And Is it to be heard because no one, no one else in any other aspect would hear them out? I don't have an answer for that, right? right? But I think I have an answer from its ignorance, right? And I think where the ignorance stems from is academia, right? Like it's up to the academics to say, okay, he, flat earth, <laughs> Copernicus <laughs> figured out in the year of, I don't know, 1500, right? Copernicus got us out of the damn dark ages. I don't know. Like, it was forever ago. He was like, yo, I got this fucking idea. I don't think the sun revolves around the earth. In fact, I think it revolves around us. And it's not a plate. It's, it's round, for sure. And they're like, oh, right? They're like, dude, Copernicus said, look, I want to teach you this. And here's why I understand it, but... In order for you to understand it, you need to understand the lens through which I'm speaking, right? So it's like, if I were trying to, if Christopher fucking Columbus came in this room, and I was like, dude, look, like, look at this information, and I handed him a cell phone. First off, 
he can't even understand the medium through which I am using. Yeah. He's never even seen a cell phone, right? Yeah. So with the scientific method, yeah, right? How can you even understand like I understand 100% how it makes sense how you feel that you're a fixed point and things are moving around you or the earth is flat or whatever. I understand it. It makes sense, right? If you use nose, ears, mouth, tongue, if you use the senses before you, it makes sense that you would come to that conclusion, right? So they don't have it in them to take that leap of faith. They 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 use that as an argument. It's a good argument, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think it boils down to I would understand if I could understand. Christopher Columbus would read the text message if he could even understand what was in his hand. He doesn't understand the method to begin with, right? So I think a lot of this misinformation and propagation of the information comes predominantly from people who simply do not understand what academia failed to teach us, right? So if you have academia that says, look, this is the method that we use to logically come to this conclusion. And if these people who got booted, we gave them Fs and Ds yeah. and said, you're not smart enough to get into this program. Now we have more people uneducated in the world than educated. Most of these people will eventually take over and say, yeah, I don't know about that global warming shit, right? They cannot, you can't present them with a scientific study that says, First off, you look at a study, and the first thing on there is the super long title. That's thirty words, yeah. right? And then this, and then the abstract, abstract, and then the, and then the and methods, <laughs> right? And you're like, I don't know about that. That's some gay shit. <laughs> That's some liberal shit, right? And I'm like, oh, you fucking ignoramus, right? Dingus, like, yeah, right, dude. And it's like you, they're so they're so ignorant, right? Because rightfully so, they're ignorant because academics have treated them terribly academics have pushed them aside have said well you can't learn this dude i've failed many of classes right i've failed years worth of classes now at what point do you keep pushing and pushing to try to break it down to them like gary gary wasn't always meant for school gary v gary v yeah but he found a way to succeed gary v's got a high iq though let's let's start there yeah gary v's got a high iq right his emotional challenge is through the roof right right he might not know how to spell but he can see something and be like, oh, no, yeah, yeah. He's, he can, he puts it together, mostly because he's made good moves. Right. He's failed far less than he's... Right. Right, yeah, exactly. So, he's, yeah. So, so, yeah, he's got a high IQ. So, I think for people who are, uh, this is one of my favorite books called Strange New World by Aldous Huxley. Um, and he, it's kind of a sci-fi book. And he talks about this new world where like we have people born into classes alpha beta delta epsilon blah 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 and whatever you're born into um you do a job for that right and alpha is with an alpha and then there's this it gets weird but then hmm. there's a group called alpha pluses and stuff like that um but he essentially says that like each class can't integrate with the next class so in terms of intelligence if you were to say someone who understands a scientific method who can say, oh, I understand that global warming is real or the earth is not flat. I understand the tools for it. That person who's the alpha plus or the alpha needs to take the time to explain to the epsilon yeah. why this is important, right. right? We've managed to do it in the world successfully, right? Like everyone knows for no reason, dummies know like, oh no, man, that's got germs on it. Yeah. Even if they don't, right? Even if we boil it down to just germs, even if we don't say, right, just boil it down to 
to the brass tacks. And I feel like the academics, with their asymmetric information and their knowledge in their books, they have not taken the time to educate the masses, right. which is their it's their duty. It's it's not only that, but it's more so the cultivating the ability to think and question and reason. Is that largely IQ? Is that largely nature or nurture, though? I think it can be both. Yeah. I mean, some people grow up in households where critical thought is just not it. Right, where you're given more books than video games. Not that video games are that bad. It's just like what your parents yeah. have, have kind of surrounded you with. And that's the thing, right? Original thought is also not a thing, too. Like you, I recently, right, I'm finding out a lot of things mainly through religion right like i grew up in a christian household but it was like give your thanks go to church go to easter yeah right i never said anything and my mom was like don't say that right i was never limited due to religion due to the word right so i never got fundamentally restraint from from thinking Mm -hmm. right so some people grow up in really 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 extreme religions right where your thought has to be limited they grew up in uh households yeah. where thought right so it's like right, right. from my day one i was always entertained to say what i want to say even if that resulted in me getting a slap in the mouth i still got to express it right right and it was challenged and it, did, it didn't matter how it ended mm. so um when i think of somebody from chicago owns a business and is successful and says nope flat earth and all these things and still decides to say nope they to me sound like somebody who is living in a world where they have been so insanely sheltered and protected by anything bad that has ever happened to them that they have the luxury to to exercise that option the same way that i was saying i have the luxury to have an existential crisis it's a luxury yeah and i'm and i'm and i realize that to even have the moment to say, what is my life? What is my path? Right? That's a luxury. Yeah. I think the same way someone optionally can say, no, I think this is a conspiracy theory. Yeah. You have to live in some world where your luxuries afforded to you are so enormously great. Right. It's so unbelievably great that even when you badmouth the gods who have given you everything, nothing happens to right, you. Right. right. So, yeah. I mean... If you believe in it, I guess you believe in it for sure. Um, but it's kind of the same thing that's going on in the Pacific Northeast, right? A lot of laws where people are trying to send their kids to school with no vaccinations. And they're like, yeah, your kid can't come to the school without vaccinations. People are saying you're violating my rights and all these things. So um, I think we're going through an interesting time right now in America. I think college is too expensive. Uh, I think maybe the guy from Chicago who has this business and stuff and still how somehow believes in these crazy things maybe he slipped through the cracks and didn't you know get fundamentally educated on things like the scientific method and all these basic things um i think we have to have a restructuring going forward on how people will get a little brighter on critical thinking on digesting thought right i don't think it should ever be a good idea that everyone says this is true no arguing but um Einstein came out with his theory of relativity and said, this is gravity. And uh, it was accepted relatively well because you f- don't have to be a genius to feel gravity. Yeah. You just know it. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that sounds pretty right. 
right? But that same guy who's like, oh, it's a flat earth, doesn't argue gravity because he can feel that, right? So how do you learn something that you can't feel with your hands, feet, eyes, and stuff like that? Which is ironically kind of a big issue in fitness right now. Oh, you got to feel the pump. Oh no, you got mind muscle connection. <laughs> this is pretty true. <laughs> I almost wanted to name this podcast. Uh, I had did this old series with the novel called Mental Muscle. Yeah, and I almost it's still wanted, on there. It's, I think it's, yeah. a, it's a great series. Yeah, and I almost wanted to name it this, but I was like, no, I got to move on, do something new. And then you just forty CQ. So that's what it is. I think Kunu's had that too, right? Mental Muscle. No, f- uh, for just the name, just straight up use the name. Yeah, and then I wanted forty CQ podcast, and you're like, that sounds redundant. <laughs> I don't know. I did, uh, yeah, I did podcast. Say that. 42 podcast podcast. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's it. You want to come say hi? No. Right. No hi from Kunu today. All right, y'all. Thank you for, uh, man, listening. The feedback on these has yeah. been incredible. What, what can we expect from maybe a future episode? Maybe an IG Live? So, what do you want to do? Yes. Yeah, let's do this. So, I want to do an episode, uh, next one. Uh, we'll do a post. We'll figure it out. Uh, I want to do at least a portion of the episode uh, where we try to do an IG live and then we'll try to get a time figured out. Maybe like a Friday or something like that. We'll figure it out. But I want to do a portion of it where it's an IG live, uh, some interaction, some Q&A. Um, so that'll be my next one. Then hopefully we can do that one and then we can get back to having some outsider guests. On yeah. Once hopefully in Illinois, once we get to June, uh, we can start bringing some people in and, and keep the community stuff going. So um, look out for that one. For our next one maybe 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 um we'll maybe, i mean i'm i'm game next weekend so <laughs> if you guys are around <laughs> all right everybody thank you for that we're gonna enjoy some of these beautiful vegan donuts shout out beacon till next time all right Episode 5 was a blast to record with the IG Live. It will be up soon. Thanks, guys.